Joel chapter 2. I'm excited about this message this morning. Today is what the, what the church world would call, if they know the Bible, Pentecost Sunday. And so I'm going to give you explanation this morning of what that means. Some of you don't know what that means, and we're going to go into it. And I want to show you some exciting things in the scriptures and some exciting things that are happening right now this week and have, ha- have happened leading up to this week. And just see how the, the prophetic words of the Bible are coming alive today in our lives. Amen? Isn't it exciting to know that this book we're reading was written by God and not by man? And then he proves it by the things we see in this world. So Joel chapter 2, I'm going to go back and forth with some different things here and show you some things um, and get to Acts in a second. But I want to give you, just right before we read this, just a, a simple understanding so you'll understand. You see there, Pentecost, the church is born. Uh, 2,000 years ago, 2018, whatever specific number you want to use, um, the church was born on the day of Pentecost. We'll read that in a second. So today we're celebrating, just like we celebrate a birthday of being born or an anniversary, we're celebrating the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, the actual birth date today. And that's why it's called Pentecost Sunday. Okay, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But thousands of years ago and about a 1,000 years before, probably actually probably about 600 years before uh, this church that we are a part of today, and how many know it's not Victory World Outreach, it's the Church of Jesus Christ, amen? Not of Latter-day Saints, just the Church of Jesus Christ, amen? The body of Christ is the church of anybody who believes everything that the Bible says. That's who the church is. The church is anybody who believes everything that the Bible says. Doesn't add, doesn't take away. There's no religions in heaven. There's no denominations in heaven. There's just the body of Christ. Those that are going to go to heaven are those who believe what the Bible says from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. We do have a name called Victory World Outreach. We're a part of churches around the world. That's how we know where to go, where to show up. Sign on the building helps us. But the church that we are a part of was born 2,000 years ago. And Joel, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, prophesied this uh, hundreds of years before it happened, and he said, and it shall come to pass. How many know when Jesus or God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen? He says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my men's servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. Father, I pray for just a few minutes this morning that you would just arrest our minds to listen, to understand. We thank you for the opportunity we had this morning to worship you and to praise you, and to lift up our hands, and to lift up our voices, and honor you. We thank you for that great testimony, Lord, of, of, of that camper getting their camp paid for by that sponsor. We thank you for uh, all those things that you're doing in our lives today, and all the things you're going to do. But just for the next few minutes, give us revelation, and give us understanding. Anoint my words t- to come out of my mouth, to get to the ears of your people, so that we would grow in your word, and this word would challenge us and change us this morning, and we come against every spirit of darkness that wants to hinder and to lie. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now hold that there. If you've got a marker in your Bible, hold it there in Joel. We're going to come back to Joel in a moment, but I want to go over to the book of 
Luke chapter, or Acts chapter 2, and we're going to see exactly what Joel was prophesying. Acts chapter 2. Many years ago, this was a revelation for me. I'm not going to ask who here grew up in church, but many of you did. Some of you did, and, and you might have been in a service where they said, I remember this growing up as a teenager, it's Pentecost Sunday. I remember hearing it, didn't have a clue what it meant, uh, don't remember uh, ever hearing what it meant or, or why we were celebrating it, but I knew we celebrated it, amen. And so I, I want to give you understanding of why we celebrate it, what it means, and everything else. But we see here in chapter 2 of verse 1, what the, the verse most used for this, it says, when the day of Pentecost, there's the word, had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. How many want the fire of God in your life today? Amen. The fire of the Holy Spirit. And one sat upon each of them, and they were, some of them, filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it say? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So real quick before we move on, we see here that this, this happens exactly like Joel prophesies hundreds of years before, that there's coming a day that the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on all flesh, and, and they get together, and, and when we read the day of Pentecost, this is where a lot of misunderstanding happens. We think that um, uh, a church that says we're Pentecostal means that they're just a church that speaks in tongues. What we don't understand is any church who says they're the church of Jesus Christ is Pentecostal. Let me mess up your theological doctrine real quick. We mess up the denominational problems that people have around the world. They, they'll say they're Pentecostal. A person would say they're Pentecostal and say that group over there, uh, they're Pentecostal, but it makes absolutely no sense if you understand the Bible because the church of Jesus Christ was born on the day of Pentecost, so we're all Pentecostals. Right? So when you hear someone say that, I, I, I know what they're doing. I know what they're saying. I, it, it's a lack of understanding. But the church was born on the day of Pentecost. And the Pentecost, it, we're, we're not Pentecostals because we speak in tongues. We're not Pentecostals because uh, that, that, that was the day that that happened. We're Pentecostals because it was fulfilled on that day, a feast that had been going on for thousands of years and when it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, means it was fulfilled that day. It happened that the Spirit fell on that feast. And many of you know, I'm not going to go into that this morning. I've been teaching that for the last couple of years, all the feasts. All the, we have a better understanding of that that come out of the Old Testament now. Now we get what that means. But everything that Jesus did and came to fulfill, this is where the Bible says that, that the Word of God says Jesus did not come to what? abolished the law, but he came to fulfill everything. What that means is that he came to fulfill all those feasts. And so what, what, what we're standing on today, on the day of Pentecost, the, the, the uh, church, day the church was born, is Penta, gone, okay? Penta means five. Pentecost, Penta means 50 days from, from Passover. 
We're exactly 50 days today on the day, Sunday, from, from Easter. When we celebrated Easter at the beginning of, of, of April, we're exactly today 50 days from, and that's why this is called Pentecost Sunday. And so we're, we're celebrating and following exactly what the Jews did. And we know that as soon as Jesus uh, passed over and that blood was shed on the cross and he fulfilled that, that first fruits as he became the first fruits of the one who died for us. And I can't get into all that this morning. But as he became that, then, then the Bible says that he was on the earth for how many know how many days he was on the earth? Shout it out if you know. F- f- four. Forty. Forty days on the earth. And then the Bible says that as he ascended into heaven, in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that, and I'm going to get into, come back to that in a second, he has, as he ascended into heaven, he told them in Luke 24, and I want you to go over there real quick, just so you can see that. Luke 24, we'll come back to Acts in just a second. He told them, I want you to go and I want you to wait for this promise. Which is the, the, the birth of the church. Now, it is important that the birth of the church, it's not coincidence that the birth of the church happened with what happened. It's, it's not an accident that, that speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy Spirit was on the church when it was born. How many are with me? So I say today still that if the church needed the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost when it was born, we still need it today and more than we've ever needed it before. We need the Spirit of God and fire in our lives. Amen. So that hasn't stopped. But he told the church, he told his disciples sorry, that we're going to become the church. He says, I want you to go. Uh, verse 49, he says, behold, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. And I want you to tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you are endued with power from on high. How many know the word tarry means to wait? So he says, I want you to go and tarry, and I want you to wait for the promise. You're going to be endued from power from on high. And so we know there that Jesus was on the earth for 40 days, and then he went, and we're going to see this in a second. I'm going to tie all this together. He went to the Mount of Olives, and the Bible says, which was near Bethany. Keep reading right here. He says, and he led them out as far as Bethany. Bethany is a small town on the Mount of Olives. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it says it came to pass that he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. So here we see the story of Jesus on the earth for 40 days. He's fulfilled Passover. He's, he's here for 40 days. On that 40th day, he ascends into heaven. And how many know there's 10 days left to get to 50? Okay, I'm giving you a little history of our of us being born of our church, not Victory World Outreach, the church. And so on the on the on the 40th day, Jesus ascends into heaven, and he goes to the right hand of the Father, just as he prophesied that he would. Now I want you to go back to the Book of Acts. And I want you to look at verse nine. I'm just taking you through this story. Acts chapter one. Verse 9, it says, now when he had spoken these things, so this is another account, same thing happening. It says, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now watch this. Now where is he? Mount of Olives. Bethany. On, on the 40th day, he's going up into heaven. 
It says, they watched him, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, angels, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Watch this. This same Jesus, say this same Jesus. The the Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to know as we continue to read this that the word is more alive today, 2,000 years later, than it was when it was written and when Jesus went up into heaven. Amen? It's more alive today, right now, in this place than it's ever been before. Amen? And it says, and they went, as he went up to heaven, he says, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven so will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. Amen? Now watch this. Watch what verse 12 says. Then they returned to where? Jerusalem from where? The mount called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And then they go into the upper room there, and the Bible tells us and history tells us that they tarried for 10 days. 10 days. Now, it was not an accident. you got to understand that the things that happen in the Bible are not accidental. It wasn't just an accident that Jesus went up at 40 days. It wasn't an accident that 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God fell. All these numbers mean something. If you don't think numbers are important, why do you think God wrote a whole book on numbers? An entire book called Numbers. He, he, numbers are important to him, and numbers help us understand where we're at in Bible prophecy. They help us understand uh, how, how to find a book. How many are thankful that somebody numbered the Bible? You know, when it was written, it didn't have chapters and verses. It'd be real difficult for me to explain to you to go look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9, if there was no chapters and verses. We thank God for that person who thought numbers were important, and they broke it up, Okay. So I want, you, I want you to see a few things here that are really exciting and really amazing. And I'm going to kind of be hitting from different angles, but it'll all tie together at the end. Because this week is so prophetic. So prophetic. So we're seeing here um, that the church is born today, 2,000 years ago. And we see that we're celebrating that today and that we're at a place where now in time, in 2018, we are in the week of, and I'm just going to backtrack a little. I was going to preach on this on Wednesday, and I'm glad I didn't. Uh, we are in the week of the 70th anniversary of Jerusalem, sorry, of Israel becoming a nation. Do you realize that this past Monday on the 14th of May was the day 70 years ago that Israel became a nation and just, I'm going to talk to you like you don't know anything in here this morning. That, that was a, the, the most symbolic possible thing that could happen to us as the church today that has happened in the last 2,000 years. Because for 2,000 years, Israel was not a nation. And so many, 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 many scriptures that had to come to pass could not come to pass because Israel had been wiped off the face of the earth. And it was not recognized as a nation. And so we saw 70 years ago that through acts of God, uh, Israel becomes a nation again. Now watch this. I want you to really listen. This is going to interest anybody in here and blow anybody away. I want to say this again to elevate your faith on on our church's birthday. Okay, that Jesus is more alive today, 
closer to coming today than he's ever been, more powerful than he's ever been, more real than he's ever been, amen, more alive than he's ever been, more willing to heal than he's ever been. It's, it's, it's a day of celebration. We are celebrating the church's birth today that we are a part of. And in this celebration, we are, we are noting that there's something in this book that makes this so real and so amazing. I'm going to break it down to you here in a second. And I want you to think about this. Israel. The nation of Israel that we're talking about. I want to put this in perspective for you. This is going to blow you away. This kind of blew me away this morning. I had never related this way before. Why is this book so real outside of so many reasons? Outside of so many reasons. You begin to think about how God chose to do things, how he does things so different than the world does. And, and you, you don't really grasp or capture his, his thinking of how he's always used less is more. How many have ever said, learned, the older I get, the more I realize that less is more. Less talking is more. Less this is more. Less of that is more. Less is more. Amen. You get further with less. And God chose that from the very beginning. Every time God had too much stuff, he got rid of some stuff and said, no, I can't do anything with this because there's too much there and you'll take the glory for it. Let me, let me back this up like with Gideon, 32,000 down to 300. He's just David, the little shepherd boy to kill the giant. All throughout the Bible he's done that and he's done that with the nation of Israel. That little tiny nation you want to know how little that tiny nation is this morning? I want to tell you how little this tiny nation is. And then we're going to talk about Jerusalem in just a second and what happened on Monday and how prophetic it is. Outside of politics, it has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with God's sovereign hand. God's sovereign hand. Do you know how big the nation of Israel is? I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to believe it. It is smaller. Because I, I, I went to begin to study and I thought, I've heard before New Jersey, I've, and I, I, like, I like to see things that I can relate with. Do you realize that the nation of Israel, that tiny little dot on the map that, that everybody is scared of, that nobody can defeat, that nobody can beat, that nobody can hurt, that nobody can seem to shut up, is, is smaller than the DFW Metroplex? The entire nation of Israel. Can you imagine today in, the, in our United States, which is, if you think about it, a small thing on the map in this world. Asia's way bigger. China's way bigger. You know, the whole continent of Asia, the whole continent of Africa, there's places that are so much bigger. But in this nation, can you imagine if today, and although I know some Texans have this attitude anyways, but can you imagine if today DFW proclaimed war on the United States? If DFW said, we're the best in all of the nation, like I said, I know some Texans feel that. I know I'm, I'm we already, but we're the best in this United States. Nobody can defeat us. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this. We're going to do things our way, whether you like it or not. If you want to come take us out, take us out. Can you imagine the Metroplex saying that to the whole United States? That's just to give you a little bit of perspective. Israel is 8,000 square miles. The Metroplex is 9,000 square miles. Isn't that amazing? You want, to wait, you want your faith to be raised this morning? Start thinking about how God is using that tiny little peck, a spot on the map 
to shake the whole world. And he did it on purpose. And it is a stench in the nostril of the world that does not love God. But for us, the believers, the church, on this day of Pentecost, on this celebration of our birthday, it is a faith builder. Amen? It is a faith builder to know that that nation is flourishing. I I don't have time to go into all the ways that Israel is flourishing. But I want to talk a little bit in a second about Jerusalem as well. But I just want you, as as the message continues to go on, I just want you to think about that, that, that Israel is smaller than this metroplex. Crazy. Hard to imagine, right? And it causes so much worldwide problems. Amen? Now, I want you to go back to Joel. Amen? No, let's, let's, uh, let's go over, sorry, to Acts chapter 2 again. And, and I, see, I want you to see that Peter uh, comes out of this. And, and, and some of you might think, I'm going I'm to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. That's, that's an obvious thing. That's, that's something we all need. We, we preach on it often. We talk about it often. But that's not the angle I'm taking today. I'm wanting to um, just talk about our, our, our church being born and what it's about and the power that we need and just kind of tie all this stuff together this morning. And so we see that they all received the Holy Spirit. And then we saw there in the video that people were there from all over the place in Jerusalem, in that tiny little city. Now, as I mentioned, Jerusalem, this is going to blow you away. Guess how big Jerusalem is? Size of Denton. Size of Denton, an exact mile, and exactly if you want to go exact, it, it's actually a little smaller than Denton, but um, Louisville is act almost mile to mile the size, but it's a little harder to picture Louisville because it's around other cities. But just picture that how small that is, uh, the city of Jerusalem, okay, where where so much is happening in Scripture. And we see here that, that, that all these people were coming to Jerusalem. All these nations were there to celebrate uh, Passover and, and the Feast of Pentecost. And all these devout men were there. And they began to hear people speaking in their own language, which was a sign of God's power. And then it says in verse 7, they were amazed, it's chapter 2, and marveled and said, aren't all these who speak to us Galileans? How do, they, how do they know the, to speak the language in which we were born? And there it goes on to mention all those cities that were there, all those people that were represented, lots of cities there. And look at verse 11. It says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God. Verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And then others began to mock them and said, they are full of wine. And that's what a lot of people make fun of Pentecostals today. And remember what Pentecostal means, by the way. Uh, they begin to make fun of people who, who are sp- filled with the Spirit or speak in tongues and said they're full of wine. And then we see Peter. This is what I want you to see, and I've talked about this a lot, the difference between Peter before and after Pentecost. The scared boy who's afraid to stand up to a little girl at the fire who says, you're one of them, and he says, no, I'm not. Three times he denies Jesus, but then he goes into the, to the upper room and waits there for 10 days, that which Joel prophesied, and that spirit fell, and now all of a sudden Peter walks out of that upper room different. Amen. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need what happened on that day of Pentecost because we need boldness. If you don't have boldness and you want boldness and you're not fat, filled with the Holy Spirit, ask for it. Seek it. Ask the Lord to fill you, and he will. 
And then he says, verse 14, watch this. He stands up with the 11, raises his voice, and says, Men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, meaning 9 o'clock in the morning. And this, he, but watch this. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember, we just read Joel chapter 2 to start. What did he say? And it shall come to, and he quotes his words. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Prophesy, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants and maidservants, I will pour my spirit out in those days. They shall prophesy. And he goes on to say some more. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth before. Blood and fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. We've talked about that with the blood moons. The moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So here we are today celebrating the birth of the church and celebrating that which Joel spoke over the church that happened on that day the church was born and today continues to happen on us until Jesus comes back. If there was an index today of of rapture possibilities, church, there's nothing left that needs to be fulfilled. I'm telling you, this is where we have to stay alert. This is where we have to watch. Let me, let me, let me throw out a few things to you to understand that, that we, we've talked about this for years, and some of you might get that place where I've heard this before. Every day that goes by, I can't ever say it enough, every day that goes by, we're one day closer to that trumpet sounding. One day closer to that trumpet sounding. Every day that goes by, we occupy till he comes. But I'm telling you, this is a, it's kind of like a birthday. You think more about your age on your birthday than you do any other time of the year. We should think more about the return of Christ today on the birth of the church than we should, not that we shouldn't think all the time, but it's more. We're, we're, we're focusing on that this morning because this is what we're looking for. I read there in Acts, he said, as you saw him go up, he will come again. He, we should be watching for him this morning and looking for him. But we see these signs. He mentioned signs. And today, as you go back, if you would, to Joel, where you had that space, I want to begin to end up this morning here in Joel chapter 3. We're going to look at that in a second. As I'm talking to you about Jerusalem, I'm talking to you about Israel, I'm talking to you about the, the, the 70th year anniversary that Israel became a nation. Realize again, before 1948, none of these scriptures we're reading could have been fulfilled. None of them. None of them. Because Israel was not a nation. And then we know that in 1967, Jerusalem, the city we're talking about, became a city. A recognized city. And and, and that was a miraculous thing. Right now, last month, just a few weeks ago, we just finished a jubilee year. Which is 50 years. We're on the 50 again. Here we are talking about 50, Penta. Pentecost. We just finished that Jubilee year. In, 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 in certain terms, it could be like when a baby goes to term. We just went to term. Um, when my mom was in the hospital, by the way, it's so good to have my mom here. Amen. And doing good. Praise God. And healthy. Amen. All glory to God. When I was t- in there, there were some, some nurse was pregnant, and they were talking about her just being, uh, she was working still, and she could at any minute, any, any minute have the baby. But she had already gone past term. 
I'm, I'm going to make a statement to you, church. Whether it's a year or 10 years or however long it is, we're past term. Listen to me prophetically. We're past term in the sense of everything that, just like a baby that goes past that date. Tomorrow, uh, my Destiny's got a birthday. Um, uh, I know some people had some anniversaries this week. Uh, several people have birthdays. There's always birthdays going on. Um, when my daughter Kristen was born on my birthday in January the 21st, that was the due date they gave us, which is very rare. Very rare for your baby to be born the day they give them. They give you. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, how, how rare is that? Probably, I don't know what percentage it is, but not in the 90 percentile, people aren't born the day they give you the date. So when you think about that and you begin to think about that prophetically, we, we would say, man, this date has passed or this thing has happened and it should have already been done or whatever. It's like a childbirth. And, and listen, biblically, church, we have come to term. We have come to that date that that, that, that baby was, would have been said to be born. We've come to that date spiritually and prophetically, I'm telling you, and it can happen any day, any moment. And we just saw, don't take lightly what we just saw this week. And some of you might not even realize how important and significant it is. I haven't mentioned it yet, but it'll, it'll ring a bell in a second. But you might not have really thought about it. This past Monday on the 14th of May, on the 70th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation, the United States moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, now some people think, watch this, some people think, Oh, if you really know Bible prophecy, you know that the United States is, is not, they're, they're nobody in the end and they're not significant. We're still significant right now. There's no other nation on the, on the face of the earth that could make Jerusalem a, a city and make it that official. The American embassy is the most important embassy in any country. Are you with me? And so uh, what, what the president did on, on Monday to make that thing go to Jerusalem was so prophetic that my hairs are standing up on my arms right now. Can't see it through my suit. I'm telling you, you don't realize how prophetic that is. Because, because what you're going to see here in just a moment in Joel chapter 3 could not happen if the scriptures were not being fulfilled. If, if, if Jerusalem was not the capital of Israel, the scriptures that we're reading right now could not come to pass. And five days ago, that, that embassy was moved, and now Jerusalem is the official. It doesn't matter if everybody accepts it or not. It doesn't matter. It's the official capital of Israel, and it's the official capital of the world. That's God's city. That's God's city, amen? And that's our God, and it's significant. There's many, many verses in the Bible that says those who love and protect Israel are blessed. Blessed. Don't let politics fool you and blind you. We have seen something so amazingly prophetic happen this week. Now look at Joel chapter 3 as I close. Watch this. You saw in Joel chapter 2, this is that which should be prophesied, the power of the Holy Spirit falling and everything. Watch what happens in the next chapter. Just a few. Matter of fact, the next verse after we see that Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then look at the last verse of Joel chapter 2, which is, which is verse 32. It says, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, doesn't say Tel Aviv, in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. And the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. There's a remnant today. Before I read this, I want you to listen. There's a remnant. There's a remnant church today. 
know what that means? That means people who truly believe the Word of God, who truly believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who truly believe every word written in this, and they've written it on their hearts, and they, and they meditate on it day and night so they won't sin against it, and they have a heart relationship, not a head knowledge. There is a remnant of the church of Jesus Christ around this world today. And it's not just who's in the physical church buildings. It's in, 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 in every church. I, I hope it's not the case here. In every church in the world, there's people in that church that are not saved. Just because they say they are, they go to church, they carry a Bible. But there is a remnant around the world of the church today of Jesus Christ that was born 2,000 years ago. And we're that church. And watch what this says, verse, verse 1 of chapter 3. For behold, in those days and at that time, I want you to tell you these are the days and this is the time. When I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Guess where Je the valley of Jehoshaphat is? In Jerusalem. Not in Tel Aviv, not in some other, not in, not in Bethlehem, not in not in Nazareth. It's in Jerusalem. What just happened this week with 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 Jerusalem becoming the capital of Israel is has prof, totally fulfilled this prophecy. To be able to make it possible for all the nations of the earth, do you realize that you either hate or love Israel in this world? You either, countries, I'm saying countries because some people don't know, don't care. But countries either love or hate Israel. There's no in between. It is a divider. And I want to go back to remind you again how big Israel is. How big Jerusalem is. Or how little it is. But yet so strong, so mighty, so powerful. And here we are, people say, oh, this Bible's antiquated. Oh, this Bible's old-fashioned. Oh, this Bible's not relevant today. Not relevant not relevant. This re you're, you're reading the news before it happens. How can you say it's not relevant? So here we see all these nations gathering, and it will eventually be Armageddon. It will eventually be a place where there will be World War III. Look at all the stuff we're seeing right now. Look at all the craziness we're seeing in the, around the world, especially around Israel right now. And with Damascus and Syria and Iran and all these things that are happening, church, we are in the moment. We're in that day. We're in that time where we will see, church, the return of Jesus come back to that Mount of Olives. Amen. But how many know this morning, you know the Bible, when he comes to get his church, He's not going to touch down on that out Mount of Olives. He's not, he's not this, this one. He comes for the church. We're going up. Amen. Just as the, as you saw Jesus go up, we're going up. And, and some people say, man, you know, I don't, I don't want to go on the rapture. Well, you go ahead and stay here and enjoy the tribulation then. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be here. And then some people say, well, I just believe that we should go through the tribulation. And here's my prayer. That I get what I want and you get what you want. I want to go in the rapture to be with heaven, to be with Jesus in heaven while, while he pours out his wrath on this earth. Because the Bible tells me that I'm not appointed to wrath. The Bible tells me there's an ark that I can get into. And I did when I got saved. 
And I'm not going to be here for that. And so if they want to go through the tribulation, let them go through it. But that tribulation is just around the corner. There is nothing left that has to happen. It's, it's, it's there. And so every day we live, could it be a year? Could it be a month? Could it be a day? Could it be 10 years? I'm not, I don't know. I'm just telling you that we've come to term. And what happened this past Monday was amazingly prophetic because we've had presidents. And again, I'm not, I'm not into politics. I'll just tell you that. I have to understand it a little bit to understand the scriptures. But we've had the last four presidents have said they were going to do this. Now, not only did they not have the intestinal fortitude to do it, it wasn't time. It wasn't time. Look at the timing. Here this president does it right now at this time, at this moment, the day of. You think it's, my hair just stood up again. Do you think it's a coincidence that, that, that they move that date up for it to fall on the day of the 70th anniversary? That's not, that's not a coincidence. It could have happened Sunday. It could have happened Tuesday. It could have happened next week. It happened the day of, church, in the smallest city in the world. The city of Mount Zion. God's city. Why is it so amazing? Because that's where he touched down. That's where he walked the earth. That's where, he, that's where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit touched earth. Physically. That's why it's holy. Where you're standing is holy ground. And so it's an exciting thing, church, to be part of that church today. And we need to be blessed. We need to be, under, we need to be excited. We need to be uh, on fire. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to tell people, listen, we are seeing scriptures being uh, fulfilled. I could go on and read a whole lot more there, but I'm not, I'm not going to. There's a, too much there to get into right now. But I just want to tell you that we have just seen some amazing things this week. So look up, the Bible says, because your redemption draws nigh. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus came back on the day the church was born? Could be. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you for your word. The word of the living God, the word of life, the bread of life. Lord, your words have become alive to us today. Thank you for allowing these men and women and teenagers and young people to understand your word this morning, take away all uh, confusion. It's real clear today. We see it today, Father, these anniversary dates. What an amazing time to be alive to possibly be and most likely be the church, the church, living church, that will see and experience the return of Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing, God, of all the thousands of years that have gone by, of all the generations of people who have watched and waited and looked and hoped that they would be the ones that would see the rapture of the church, the rapture meaning the snatching out taking away from danger before the wrath of God comes because God must and has to and will judge this world. He will. And I don't know about you, church, as you're, as you're praying and the Holy Spirit's touching you, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the side of God's wrath. I want to be on the side of God's love. And the way you get God's love is by accepting His Son. Accepting and loving His Son. And, and living for his son and putting your faith in his son. How many all over this place this morning, 
if the rapture happened today, if Jesus came down from heaven as that trumpet sounded and blew, as we've just seen this amazing prophetic date happen on Monday with Jerusalem becoming an official city and capital of Israel, 2,000 years in the making, 2,500 years in the making from Joel, if, if that trumpet sounded, you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven today. If you're not sure, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. Right now. I don't have time or even the desire to go into what the tribulation holds. You think these school shootings, you think these earthquakes, you think these 9-11s, you think these wars are bad. It's nothing, nothing compared to what is going to come on this earth for seven years. As tribulation comes, as God's wrath is poured out on an earth that has rejected his son. Be ready. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your, give your heart to the Lord. If that's you this morning, you're not sure, just put, put your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to go. I want to go. I'm not sure. I want to go. I want to be ready. Maybe you're here and you, and, and you know that truth, you believe that truth, but you're backslidden today. You're, you're, you're running away from the Lord. There's people who tell you, you can't, you can't backslide. You can. You can backslide. You can go back to your old ways. You can, go, you can run away from the cross. You can get cold in your spirit. You can reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's you and you need to get right today. Say, I'm, Pastor, I'm going to pray to God today and God's going to touch me and I'm going to get right. I'm going to get my heart right with God. Amen. Let's, let's stand to our feet as we close. I want to take just a few minutes at the altar. You know what you do? Peter preached this message, and they said, what do we need to do to be saved? Here's the message that needs to be preached in the church. He said, repent. We need to repent. Of what? Whatever comes in our lives that's more important than Jesus. It's not always a sin. Sometimes it's just idols. Sometimes it's things that are, that are pulling on us. But whatever it is, let's take some time this morning. Let's walk out of this place this morning with two things. One, excitement that we're the church. And two, a spirit of repentance that will keep us ready when that trumpet sounds. I don't want anybody in this room to miss that trumpet. I want us all to be rejoicing and celebrating in heaven and that you know, there's food out there right now. As there's food being prepared to eat, there's food being prepared in heaven right now. There's a banquet that we're going to eat at. Hallelujah. Amen. It's so exciting to be part of the church. As they begin to sing, let's just find a place at the altar this morning. And let's just talk to God just for a few minutes before we dismiss. And let's just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to minister to us. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father.